It's not about what God wants from us. It's about what God wants for us. And we've been going through this. We've already read most of the first half of this letter. And it's been all great about all stuff about what God is doing and has done for us and how blessed we are. How we can be rich, of course, uh, spiritually we're talking about being rich. We understand that, right? Um, You know, uh, we are not what... uh, There are some types of churches... Uh, that are called your health and wealth churches. Don't know if you heard of them. Those are the ones that preach this message that if you come to our church, God is going to make you healthy and wealthy. Uh, we are not that church. I'm sorry I don't have any. I wish I did. I wish I could promise all of you that if you came to our church, you are going to be healthier than you were and you're going to be wealthier than you were. Maybe we'd have a lot more people here. We could deliver on that. I mean, it's got to, we've got to find audience, a growing audience as it is. But uh, I have to be honest with people. I say, you know, uh, if you become a part of our church, I don't know what God will decide to do. He may decide to bless you, and he may decide to answer your prayers to be healthier, and he may decide to bless your business, and you may make more money. Uh, on the other hand, you know, we... We're a very sacrificial church, and we give contribution weekly. And so it might be that you show up and become a member of our church. You have less money. (laughs) And that really encourages people. But I think the idea, of course, is that we believe there are things that are way more important than money. And we believe that God blesses our hearts when we're generous uh, for the work of the church and the spread of the gospel, the good news. So uh, we embrace that. And we trust God that he's going to give us, in the health and wealth area, he's going to give us what we need. And the truth is, we don't like to consider it, but sometimes uh, health challenges and even financial challenges can actually be things that we need that help us spiritually to see where we are and to see our need for God. I don't know if you ever figured it out yet, but a lot of us, I, I include myself, I frequently forget how much I need God. God loves me enough that he's constantly reminding me. Has he been reminding you lately? So look at it that way. You've got health challenges and wealth challenges, money challenges. God is just reminding you of how much you need him and how there are things that are perhaps more important than those things that are going on in your life. But God does want us to be rich. Today, perhaps, as we're talking about this and God's plan for our lives... Today you may hear some of the best news you have never heard. I think uh, when it comes to what God wants to do and how he wants to bless us. And let let me frame it by asking you a few questions. Have you ever really wanted to change something about yourself? Have you really wanted to... uh, to grow in some part of your life or to see some, some particular character deficiency or temptation in your life go away and be less dominant or make even radical changes in your life? Have you ever wanted to change to be better and been frustrated? Have you ever uh, wanted somebody else to change? Unfortunately, in our pride, we frequently want other people to change more than we want to change ourselves. That happens a lot in marriage. 
Just thought I would mention that. But sometimes we need hope and a reason to believe that we can change, that somebody else can change. Let me just beg you to consider this, and please do not assume that you don't need to change. Please do that, because I can almost assuredly promise you that there's somebody that loves you and is close to you who does think you need to change. But this whole thing can be very powerful, and so if you didn't know it, I believe God has something very exciting to be able to share with us today. Are you with me, Marcel? Are you sure? I know you're a little tired because, you know, Marcel participated yesterday. 12 hours of basketball. He did quite well. Uh, you know who else did is uh, John Reed. He's over here with his head in his hands right here. I don't know if you noticed John. He was coming up. He's one of our part singers. And... Uh, he was moving very gingerly up and down the stairs. Did you notice that? There's a reason that some of us, some of the folks are moving slower today. Anyway, if you can relate to wanting or seeing the need or the opportunity to change, then today may be some of the best news you have never heard before. Let's read together Ephesians chapter 4. Hopefully you've got uh, a Bible open. You can look on somebody near you. We'll begin in verse 17 of Ephesians chapter 4. So I tell you this, Paul writes, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding. And separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind, every kind of impurity, but with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. We'll stop there. In this city of Ephesus was part of the, uh, the Roman Empire. And most of the people that had become followers of Jesus, that had become Christians, had not grown up in the Jewish faith. They had never known of the one true God. And so the Bible calls everybody who wasn't a Jew a Gentile. You know what that makes most of us? Gentiles. But in that day and at that time, the Gentiles, they knew nothing of the true God. They worshipped, um, perhaps you're familiar with uh, the Roman, Roman mythology, Greek mythology. Uh, it's really kind of whacked out. Have you guys studied that in school yet? Yeah, yeah it's really kind of 
It's really kind of sad, isn't it? But people actually lived, and that's all they knew of God. And so they came along, and the message of Jesus came, and because they had known only whatever religion they'd known had been so, so out there, there were many people who were living in such a way that they were, by the choices they made, by the morals they had, they were destroying their own lives. They came to Jesus and they radically changed. And he's just reminding them of these people that used to be living one way and now they're living another way. He said, don't go back there. We need to hear that reminder sometimes, don't we? You may or may not relate to that. But some of us were on a very, a very poor path before we came to know Jesus. It was a path of destruction. As is described here, our verse 17 through 19, our thinking was futile. That means it was just all messed up, all jacked up, darkened in our understanding, separated from the life of God, ignorant. Perhaps you relate, perhaps you don't. I mean, this is pretty extreme stuff. But a lot of people in that church related to that. They had, there was a lot they didn't know and understand. Separated from the life of God. See, that's what it is. Remember what I said that earlier? It's not about what God wants from you. It's about what God wants for you. And you know what God wants for you? He wants life. He, wants, he doesn't want death. He wants life. He wants light for you. He wants to bless you. He wants to rescue you. These people, as described here, have been in an unrestrained pursuit of evidently a pleasure-based existence. So he says the further they went down that path, the worse off they were. There were terrible consequences. Their hearts became hard. Do you know what that means? That's a scary thing. If you've ever had a hard heart or you have one today, that means you've lost the ability to feel anymore. You perhaps lose the ability to feel for people. But you lose the ability to feel any sensitivity about God or what's right or what's wrong. The longer you head down that path of destruction, it says giving themselves over to sensuality. Many of them were unrestrained in their sexual pursuits. In that day and age, if you weren't a Christian, many of them, they had no boundaries when it came to sex. Everything was okay. They didn't see a problem there. But of course, if you live that way, it may not be today and it may not be tomorrow, but eventually you're going to see a problem there. It's a path of destruction. As he says here, it only led to a continual lust for more. Have you ever noticed that about the temptations of the world? Is that you, when you indulge in these things, you think maybe, okay, the temptations are strong, I give in, perhaps I'll be satisfied. Your satisfaction only lasts for a moment. And then you know what once You want more. Drugs, alcohol, sex, name it. Whatever you name, it's a path of destruction. Don't go back to that way of life. 
Paul's saying to these people who had already decided to follow Jesus. But then in verse 20, the last paragraph that we read, he starts talking about what, he's reminding them what God has done for you. It's not just that he taught you and opened your eyes and took you away from this path of destruction that you were living, this old life that you were living, but he's given you a new life. He's put you on a new path. And he's done something for us that he, we could never do for ourselves. He has made us into new people. He has transformed us by the power of God coming into our lives and our hearts when you're a follower of Jesus. What does it say there at the end of verse 23? We have been created to be like God. Now that sounds pretty awesome, doesn't it? Even if we don't understand what that means, created to be like God. God has done something that we could never do for ourselves. He has changed us. He has transformed us. The, uh, the title for the sermon today is Extreme Makeover. Perhaps you're familiar with the, uh, the television shows. Started out, you know, the extreme makeover shows, they started out showing how they could do plastic surgery on people and they could look radically different. And then there was weight loss programs and exercise programs and, you know, all this stuff. And they just show how they could work with people over a period of time and the unbelievable extreme makeover. Then they had extreme makeover home edition. I always wanted them to visit my house. You see one of those? They're pretty awesome, right? They come in, they go, well, okay. A few things here need to be changed. Tell you what, you move out of your house for a few weeks and then uh, show up. And you know that, you know, those are pretty awesome, right? People come back. They come in, they can see their house. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? Look what they've done. People weeping. Extreme makeover. Well, what we're talking about here is extreme makeover God's edition. He wants to do an extreme makeover in our lives. And one of the problems is that there's so many people who call themselves Christians, millions of them, perhaps billions of them, in our world today, who show no evidence of any kind of extreme makeover in their lives. And when you read God's description of what a true Christian is and what a follower of Jesus is, they are somebody who has taken advantage of the opportunity... To let God move into their lives and change them from the inside. To give them a new heart. To give them a new mind. To strengthen them. To empower them. To transform their characters and their lives in almost unimaginable ways. I think for many people this is the best news they have never heard. There's a lot of people, and maybe you're one of them today, who don't understand that coming to Christ doesn't just mean that you're forgiven, but you're also 
have the opportunity to be radically changed. Wouldn't that even be somewhat cruel? I mean, it's great to have your sins forgiven. Can we all agree on that? I got a lot of stuff that I don't want to be responsible for on the day of judgment. Are you with me? Stuff that happened before I decided to follow Jesus and some stuff that happened since I decided to follow Jesus. Mary Kay knows what I'm talking about. But would that even be loving if God just, not to, under, not, to, not to minimize the significance of being forgiven, but if God just forgave us, but he didn't change us, and we kept doing the same stuff over and over again in the same ways that we always did, would that really be a loving God? Extreme makeover. God's addition. We can be rich if we let God transform us. Perhaps I'll put it this way. There's a difference between being saved and being converted. You know what I mean? Being saved frequently means that we just are reflecting on the sins in our life that we're no longer... Being converted means that we're changed. Conversion. At the end of this message here, in just a few minutes, Marlon is going to share his conversion story. We do that. It's not just a salvation story. It's a conversion story. It's about what God has done and how God has changed him. And many of us can relate to that. It's a glorious thing. It's a blessed thing. It's a wonderful thing. The difference between saved and converted. I thought of this uh, illustration spoke to me. Some of you may remember a few years ago, before we had digital television. Now, none of you people on the first two rows remember that. But there used to be a day when we had this kind of, this television signal was what they call analog. Analog signal. And, uh, you know, many of us watched the TV with the analog signal for many years. And we didn't know what we were missing. Because when they switched it all over to digital, OMG. <laughs> the possibilities. We can have HD TV because of digital television. There was a conversion that took place several years ago. You know what else you can do with digital television? You can pause live TV. Wow, you know, if somebody told me that when I was growing up, I'd go, you got to be kidding me. You can pause live TV. You can rewind live TV. Now, just to say, this is so you can dream. They have not figured out yet how to fast forward live TV. <laughs> Perhaps we wait till we get to heaven to get that one. 
Somebody said this thing about pausing live TV. I read something the other day. Said the the ability to pause live TV has helped marriage more than anything else in the U.S. and in the world. Some of you know what I'm talking about. I'm watching a sports. Pro, the Clippers are playing. The Kings are playing. College football's on. And it always seems like it's just at the most crucial part of the game. Mary Kay wants to talk to me. But you know, I used to be a struggle in our marriage. Our marriage is so much better now because she comes in and she needs to talk to me. I go home and say, Okay, honey, we can talk. What do you want to talk about? soon as we're done, click, turn it back on. It's great. I've paused live television. Now I can fast forward through the commercials. It's even better. Please come in, Mary Kay, and talk to me some more. But see, that's because there's been a conversion. That TV signal is not the same one that used to come into your house. See, that's what's supposed to happen in our faith. Something radical, extreme. Something that we previously would have believed impossible. But it's so different now. The opportunity that we have to be transformed is one of the greatest... It's it's some of the best news about Christianity that many people have never heard. Now, I'm going to show you something that uh, perhaps I believe will be a physical illustration of transformation. So uh, can, you sh- can you throw the uh, first picture up there, Dave? Do you even recognize who that is? At least the guy on the right. The woman on the left is perhaps recognizable. I'm not sure about the guy on the right. A lot of you have already seen this. My dear wife posted this on Facebook this week. This is a picture from our honeymoon, May 1982. 32 years ago. So there you go. She, uh, she posted with a comment. And I still don't have an understanding of why she posted this. By the way, uh, I wrote down the stats this morning. 233 likes and 71 comments. And she said, I don't know which is more disturbing. This is the early 80s. Mary Kay say, my high-waisted shorts or Reese's micro-mini shorts. It's kind of embarrassing. I'm showing more leg than she is. Perhaps there's been a transformation. Now go ahead and put up the uh, the second picture. 
This was also taken in May, just last month. We were actually uh, speaking over in West L.A. Somebody took this picture and uh, posted it on Facebook. And uh, so there we are again. And um, do you notice the difference in the two pictures? Now, Mary Kay actually looks better than she did. I mean, it really is true. She, uh, I have to brag on Mary Kay. I know the rest of the women will hate her, but she's actually lost weight since she got married. Uh, I shouldn't have said that. All of you that are filled with bitterness need to repent. Jealousy. Uh, I'm sure that I don't look better. But there's a transformation, isn't there? It's an amazing transformation. And I uh, go ahead and put up the two side by side. So there you go. Anybody have any observations on the difference between those two? Yes, Joe? See more on my forehead. Nice. Dallas? No more micro Vinny. Yes, I'm dressing better, aren't I? This has got to be an upgrade. Yes, yeah, Sean? The sun, yes. We've both got shades on. We're much cooler now. Much cooler now than we used to be. Yes, Gina. Oh, thank you. Yes. I was hoping somebody would notice. I filled out some. Not all of those in bad ways. Some of them, not so much. I mean, Frank, I'm sure you saw that first picture and you go, man, I'm glad I didn't know you then. Because I know, you know, you wouldn't have respected me. Yes, that's right. That's right. By the way, somebody, uh, somebody looked at the first picture on the left. Said, "Did because we do look real." It's like, did you guys get married when you were twelve? We were actually a little. I was almost twenty-seven. Um, Mary Kay, of course, much younger than me. That's all I'm going to say about that. But anyway, uh, you can take them down now. <laughs> Perhaps this could be an illustration, spiritually, of how much we can change over time. And I believe in some ways it does illustrate what God can do in our life. Because understand this, the way that God changes us, sometimes it's dramatic, but often He changes us in subtle ways, no less powerful ways, but subtle ways that are not necessarily notable over the period of a day or a week or a month. Do you know what I'm talking about? For instance, there was 32 years between those two pictures. If we had taken a, a picture a month after we got married, would it have looked that much different? Even a year, would it have looked that much different? I think I lost the shorts after about a year there. But anyway, um, 
But sometimes, you know, even when we look at ourselves physically, you got to sort of look in five-year intervals before you see, okay, there's some differences there. I think it illustrates how much God can change us over time. And we need to have an understanding, we need to have a vision for that. Because even when we're wanting to change something, we're praying and we're letting God in our life, when it comes to these matters of the heart or the mind or the character, be patient, trust in God. Because we're going to notice the difference over a period of time. And hopefully that will encourage you. This is really uh, part one of our sermon. We're going to uh, we're going to come back come back next week, would you? How many of you plan to come back next week? Okay, the ones that didn't raise your hands, shame on you. I hope you'll come back because we're going to do extreme makeover part two, and we're going to get even more specific about some of the things that. God wants to help us change. And as you read on through there, we'll begin next week in verse, uh, is it 25? On into chapter 5. And you can read ahead this week if you want to, and you can see some of the things that God is wanting to do in our life. Things that are going to be a blessing for us. But I want us to understand, again, how rich we can be. God is offering us the opportunity To be a better version of who you are right now. Whoever you are right now, God is offering you the opportunity to be a better version. God is offering you the opportunity to have the power in your life to say no to the sins and the things that are tempting you, that are maybe even in your life today, that have only been destroying you. The power to say no. There's freedom in having the power to say no. That's from God. Changing. Extreme makeovers. Are exciting. They're fulfilling. They're a blessing for others. If you're married, it's going to be a blessing for your marriage. If you're a dad, if you're a mom. For your friends, for your co-workers, for your neighbors, for your family. When we change for the better, when we let God work in our life, everybody is better off. You're better off, and all the people that are around you are better off. There is no limit to what God can do in our lives over time. No limits. There is nothing in your life that needs to change that cannot change. Now, it may not happen in a day or a week or a month. But it can happen. Now we understand that with all that change, and many of us have experienced a lot of change in our years of following Jesus, we're never going to reach perfection, are we? hope that doesn't disappoint you. It's actually a blessing. Perfection would not be good for us. Many of us have a hard enough time being humble and seeing our need for God. Imagine how we would be if we actually got to perfection. But that's waiting for us. It's waiting for us on the other side. And that's one of the reasons I'm excited about going to heaven. 
Because I know when I got there, there's no more sin, there's no more temptation, there's no more weakness. It's all good then. It's all good in the hood. When we get to the other side. Until then though, we're just, we have the opportunity to be on this upward climb. All the way. Perhaps self-help books are not enough. Now I'm a big believer in self-help. There's a lot of great books out there. There are books that I read. Some of them are written by Christian people from a Christian faith. Some of them are not. And they're very helpful. But you know, we need something more than just self-help books. We need God in our hearts. We need God in our lives. We need the power of God. We'll talk about it next week. You don't have to be angry. That's good news. You don't have to be bitter. That's good news. You don't have to be harsh toward other people. That's good news. We do have a part to play. You notice here it says, verse 23 I believe that we read, we need to put off our old self. We have a responsibility. God's power is available and unlimited, but He's not going to work apart from us wanting Him to work, allowing Him to work. We have to make a decision. We set our hearts. We set our minds. We give God the opportunity, and He does amazing things. I'll leave you with this. Even in the next week, Read what we read, but read in the next week, start in verse 24, 25, and read down into chapter 5, at least through verse 7. Spend some time with that, and even now, before you get here next week, I want you to identify one thing in your life that you want to change. Now, I understand, Sean, that there are many things in your life that you want to change. And your wife, perhaps, would add to that list. He is perfect, yes. Okay, we'll move on. But I want you to just identify one thing. One thing in your life that you want to change. And I, I don't care if you're not yet a follower of Jesus. I don't care if you just made your decision. Naomi Stephan was baptized... Last Saturday, a week ago, eight days now. I don't care if you're the one who's been the longest following Jesus in this audience. Might be me, might be you. I've been, I made my decision to follow Jesus 36 years ago. I'm excited that even now, there's the opportunity for me to go further. I need to change, and I can change, and I want to change, and I find that to be exciting. I'm not ready to be put out to pasture spiritually. That's, a, that's an old country saying, if you don't know what that means. That just means, you know, he's no good for anything anymore. We just let him out every day. He goes out in the field and eats grass. Comes back in at night. We don't expect much out of him. We don't ask much from him. That's not the way we want to live. You want to be growing, you want to be changing, you want to be thriving. 
the days of your life. Right up until you draw your last breath. That's rich. Come on up, Marlon, and share your uh, conversion story with us.